the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. I do appreciate it on so many levels. I know there's a lot of options out there. If you do listen to the show, I pledge I will do my best to try to get some material information out there for you so that we can push you towards retirement. Okie dokie. Slow pace right now on the Wall Street is kind of a digestion phase of the volatility, which doesn't really make sense when you say slow and then volatility in the same kind of big picture thing. But the volatility really ramped up in August, and now it's kind of kind of gaming back down. There's not a lot of selling interest. There's not a lot of buying interest. We're continuing to digest earnings. China, U.S., Congress, economy. Today, the White House is floating a, how can we stimulate the economy? Maybe a payroll tax cut, i.e., you take home more money. Woo! Right? Corporate America has a little bit more wiggle room. Or wait, here's the downside. We're not pulling in as much tax revenue as we're spending as a country. And you want to cut more tax revenue? Nah. And I think economically saying, you could say that our debt continues to go higher, so... Any of that BS about, well, it takes money to make money and, you know, we're going to increase. This will be net positive. It's not. I look at it as, in my own opinion, we're just kicking the can down the road for my kids and my kids' kids. It's good for me. It's bad for them. Washington Post reported a temporary payroll tax cut was under consideration. And that kind of got the whole below going last night. Uh, New York Times did too, and that will add to a kind of, uh, okay, we don't necessarily, we could still play the tariff game because we're likely to get a little stimulus from this, but White House is saying, you know, no, 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 no. And yet the economic chairman for President Trump, Larry Kudlow, he said more tax cuts for people are on the table, whether they get them from the table to the floor of Congress, we would add, you know, uh, how much of this is just political balloon and political maneuvering and stunt work? So it's a little bit. Home Depot, in the news. They had a better spring than expected, but they did reduce their 2020 sales and their 2020 earnings forecast. Basically saying lumber price deflation is hurting. Hmm. I was at a Home Depot yesterday. 
guess whose air conditioner went out when it's in the heat of August? The heat is on. It's on the street. Um, mine. So, oddly enough, I do have pretty good fixing skills. So, Home Depot, kind of a pretty good, great American company. Kohl's, on the other hand, they reaffirmed their 2020 guidance. TJ Maxx, they met expectations, but they were light on revenues. So, a lot of, how do you say this? A lot of retail, i.e. the American consumer, in the news today. And now you know. That's the the old NBC chimes. Can you imagine how like archaic radio and TV was back then? Um, some major averages retrace some of the recent gains. Relative weakness in energy and financial stocks today. Um, I'm disappointed in the financial sector. It, it in the '90s and early 2000s, it was one of my favorite sectors. Um, I'm not overweighted. I'm not even market weight financials at this point in time, personally. But what I can tell you is that I'm disappointed. U.S. Treasury yields resume their decline today. Always fascinating. Always fascinating. Um, oh, man. Some of the news out there, I just decided to pick over because it's almost discre- uh, discre- uh, What is the word? Uh, just depressing, discourage, discouraging. So uh, all the markets open in the red today, open negative. But they've kind of, it wasn't a hard sell at the market, open, very soft. Gold's 15, 15 an ounce. Woo. Um, gold and silver's had a, a nice run on the play that, if all goes to heck in a handbasket, they'll be a-okay. The 10-year treasury sits at 1.55%. Again, for new listeners and for old listeners, this is one of my 20 things I could write down and pretty much so stand by it. When the 10-year treasury is under 3.5%, you buy stocks. Now, that doesn't mean you don't buy bonds, but stocks are, are where you're focused on. I still agree with that. I would say... Because of the nine-year run of low interest rates has created the stock market to have a great run. Telling you to buy stocks now has to have the caveat. They have run up a lot, and they have a big valuation. So you're paying for not a young Brett Favre winning his unproven talent that's going to turn out to be like, wow, look at him go. You're paying for a slightly older Brett Favre in the stock market with shaky knees. That makes sense for you? I don't know. Millennials are in the news. I love millennials. Um, a new survey on millennials looked at their drinking preferences. Um, and it's not good news for the beer industry. Bank of America Merrill Lynch Global Beverage Survey polled younger drinkers age 18 to 34 revealed a drop in millennial alcohol consumption. Boo! Can't drink all day if you don't start in the morning. Right? Right? Thank you. Thank you. So, uh, millennial alcohol consumption is shifting away from beer as a drink of choice. The 
trend amongst younger drinkers matches the decline in alcohol consumption seen within all age groups. Millennial alcohol beverage consumption in the past 12 months. Um, hard seltzers are making kind of a play for them. Followed by craft beer. Number three on the list, tequila. 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 Number two, wine. Number one, the preferred beverage. Are you ready? Vodka! Vodka? Wow. But spiked seltzer. I had spiked seltzer, and I'll be honest with you, it tasted like chalk with a little bit of alcohol in it. It was not my thing. But there's publicly traded companies like Sam Adams or Boston Beer, ticker symbol Sam. Anheuser-Busch, ticker symbol Bud. Constellation Brands. Now, Constellation Brands and, and Anheuser-Busch are launching their own seltzer, as is Diageo. That's the thing about the big boys. They can do that. Anyhow, anyway, you can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube uh, Rob Black Show. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. Hello, 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 hello. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. I do appreciate it. Um, I try my best to bring you interesting stuff. I'm fascinated with millennials. I'm fascinated with retail. I'm fascinated with technology. Talking about Apple spending $6 billion to build up their video content, and yet they're about two months away from launching Apple TV. And you're like, what, what, what? Now, they've got Steven Spielberg, Oprah Winfrey, who, she's beloved. And Mr. Spielberg is acclaimed. Um, they got megastars, Reese Witherspoon, Steve Carroll, Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. All the big stars are working for Apple. I, I don't actually have a list of any more, so I'll just be quiet at this point in time. Um, but beside the point, spending $6 billion this year when, 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 when Netflix is spending $12 billion, it seems like the winner here is crappy actors in L.A., right? If you can't get a job in L.A. right now, you cannot get a job. Because, right? So, massive investments. This could end up hurting Apple in their, their pursuit. Do they pull it off? I don't know. But the new morning show thing that they have with Jennifer Aniston and Steve Carroll and Reese Witherspoon, it costs more per episode. In the final season of Game of Thrones. That's crazy. Now, again, Game of Thrones started kind of quietly and sheepishly, and through the years they added more budgets and probably more sets and probably more background people. Um, more dragons, more fire, more dead walking people. Um, so, yeah, I, I kind of get it that it ramped into a big expensive show. But Apple's starting out of the gate throwing money around. And it almost, what do you do with a drunken sailor? What do you do with a drunken sailor? Like, is Tim Cook drunk? Or is this a really good idea? Or, you know what's sad? Five years ago, he could have bought Netflix for 
basically burping money. You know, burping money. Like, you just pound a beer or a soda, and at the end of it, you're like, Ugh. It's kind of an afterthought. Like, I didn't feel that one coming. And yet, there it is. So anyhow and anyway, um, I'm totally digressing yet again, but it's something we're looking at, right? The Apple Card's now available to everyone in the United States, and probably the best perk about it is that it integrates into your phone and kind of starts showing you some spending things that you're doing right and wrong. Uh, Plus, it's 3% off of Ubers, which I get it. That's nice, especially since we're moving in that direction. The weird thing is, is they're offering a card to basically anyone. If you have bad credit, and I'll be honest with you, like this, the, I don't like recommending credit cards to people because I don't know what type of spender you are. I don't know if you're a drunken sailor. Like, hey, middle of the night, I need pizza. Let's pull your phone out and order it for me. Because um, I, I yell at people. I'm like, give me your phone. I'm going to order pizza. Um, I don't know what type of spender you are, and I don't know if you save money. I don't know if you pay off your credit. But if my kid had bad credit, I'd say, get an Apple card. You know, put your services on it. Put your, you know, um, your music subscription on it. Fine. You'll build a little bit of credit. It's really interesting because interest rates are so low right now. And credit card interest rates, what they charge you, are so high right now. Do you know why all the credit cards are based out of, like, North Dakota when you read the contract paperwork? It's because uh, there's no usury laws in North Dakota. Um, you can charge 20%, 25%. Do you know what the charges are in Mexico right now on a credit card? The interest rate is over 45%. I know. I know. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Um, I might be too soon for this one because it's a crime story. But Jeffrey Epstein, is it Epstein or Epstein? He signed a new will just two days before he killed himself. Again, that is if you believe he killed himself. But it does bring up the point of how do you, you know leave your assets behind. And in this case, he's a, he's a convicted sex offender. Like, probably nothing worse in the world. If there's Dante's levels of hell, he's probably going to a rough one. But I digress. But even he had a well. Does that make any sense to you? Um, my sugar bugger, um, her head is not always in the right place, and she has a real tough time doing a will or trust. Don't know why. It's just her thing. It's not a bad thing. It's not a good thing. It's not a great thing if you have kids and if you have you know assets that you want to leave behind. I know people who are so afraid of dying that they won't even do a will. Now, this guy probably knew he was going to off himself at some point in time, and he did a will. His estate's worth $577 million. And the victims are all saying, oh, and by the way, my beard's starting to look like his. That's not good. Oh, I may have to shave. So, 
Epstein had a brother. His brother was named Mark Epstein. I'm going to call one Epstein. I'm going to call the other one Epstein. Um, who the will notes would have inherited the estate had Jeffrey Epstein died not having a will. So we don't know who all is going to get his fine art, his antiques, his collectibles, his valuables, his property. And then, you know, you have to wait and any debts that he has and claims that aren't yet known. Oh, the claims not known by victims. That's going to be an interesting one. So every now and then you see someone like Michael Jackson die without a will or a trust. And you're like, what were you thinking? Prince, what were you thinking? The Queen of Soul, what were you thinking? Miss Aretha Franklin. Um, so you get the idea, right? Um, I think that's about all I have to say about that. Kyle Bass, he's an influential investor. He's saying something pretty titillating, scintillating, uh, sexy. He says interest rates will follow, the U.S. interest rates will follow the rest of the world to zero. And he thinks it's insane. (laughs) There is some camp out there that says interest rates shouldn't be set by governments or by government entities like the Federal Reserve. And that they should kind of like find their own level. So like Bank of America decide what to charge you based on your credit history instead of what to charge you based on where the interest rates start. Um, it does bring some normalcy and some uh, linear, you know, to the financial markets, having the Federal Reserve set the rates. But some people think things are going to get worse and that interest rates have to go back down to zero in the United States. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. This has been a pretty good year for IPOs, and one of them that's coming public sooner than later is going to be a company called WeWork. I talked about them yesterday because I know people are seduced by IPOs, and you see Beyond Meat, and you go, I want that. But you don't say, oh, but I don't want the Uber's aftermarket performance. Buy an IPO aftermarket, i.e. when it's an initial public offering, it means everyone who's invested in the company privately very, very likely has made money. And that's kind of the risk that you take. What if they want to cash out? There's something to say about that, to know about that. Um, versus blindly saying, well, it's a, it's a virgin IPO. I, I want it. It's never been public. Well, keep in mind, a lot of private money has made money on it already, and they're going to be able to cash out for the first time in a long time. So WeWork paid their CEO $5.9 million, somehow, some way, some shape, some form, to use the word we. <laughs> he somehow got the word we kind of in his corner. Pretty shocking, in my opinion. Pretty nauseating. Speaking of nauseating, the man who never gives you nausea, who's not noxious at all, Patrick O'Hara, briefing.com. Um, you've been with me for many, many, many years. You make sense of this market, and uh, let's get into it, Mr. O'Hare. How are you doing? Hey, Rob. I'm doing okay. Always good to be back with you. Yeah, you hear some of my ramblings about IPOs, and um, I don't think the average person realizes everyone's made money but you when you buy an IPO. 
But moving on, um, what's what's moving the market today? What's the big story out there? Uh, well, I think we're you know kind of just stuck in the. the, the similar rut we've been in for a while. I think there's uh, yeah. some added attention or some renewed focus on the, the Treasury yield curve today, uh, which is seeing some flattening action. And, uh, and just in terms of a trading queue, um, that has kind of sufficed as a, as a reason not to get overly aggressive in, in the equity market um, when you see that flattening uh, uh, unfold as it you know creates some worries and some angst about you know what its ultimate meaning is, whether it's a true harbinger of a uh, significant slowdown or even a recession to come, you know, or if maybe it's really just a little more than a, an economic head fake that's been brought on by the interest rate differential trade, given you know how uh, well not just low but how negative the rates are in Europe and, and Japan. So. Um, so there's not, you know, not a lot happening in the market overall today. We've got a lot of retail earnings out, um, which are a focal point. But you know, from a broader context, I think the market just is sort of, uh, you know, tracking sideways, albeit in a somewhat volatile range. Okay, okay, um, a little bit of end of summer going into the fall. Um, what are you expecting? And this is a tough question because it's been kind of one of those tough years to predict. What are you expecting for the back half of 2019 as we head towards 2020? Well, you know, Rob, I mean, obviously the future is inherently uncertain. We can make all the predictions we want. But, you know, having said that, um, it, it seems even more uncertain and more challenging to make such predictions these days because um, it, just because of, of the volatility in policy making. Um, you know, we don't really have a good line on whether uh, this this trade war is going to get resolved, uh, whether China and the U.S. kind of a, uh, agree to, you know, to a soft compromise on matters, um, or whether, you know, President Trump continues to walk a very hard line and, uh, and, and is willing, you know, to work, walk that hard line right up to the election. Um, so, it, and this is, this is the issue, you know, you're starting to see it really show up in uh, certainly, the business investment data, uh, and you're seeing you know some weakness availing itself in the manufacturing sector, which of course is you know right in the mix with um, some of the issues pertaining to the tariffs. Uh, and of course, if we get this uh, you know next round of, uh, of tariffs going on, uh, you're going to see more consumer-oriented companies um, uh, discussing that that adverse impact. And so. Um, but at the same time, you know, you might get the, you know, the, the olive branch held out there that makes it all go away. <laughs> and it's just really challenging to, to, to determine what, what ultimately is going to happen. But, of course, you know, one thing that you know, the market seems resolute about is that it's going to continue to get uh, monetary policy support to steer it through this uncertainty. You know, even though what I just said kind of all has somewhat of a negative edge to it, um, you've got a market that's trading pretty close to an all-time high. I mean, we're up 16% for the year on the S&P 500, which is, which is a great performance, you know, all things considered. Uh, so the market has been climbing a wall of worry, um, you know, moving up uh, with a lot of uh, hope and, uh, and expectation that, you know, interest rates are going to stay low and, and maybe even go even lower and serve as that supportive construct for risk assets like stocks. Good stuff. What do you think of the news that kind of was out there 
my guess is that it's a trial balloon that talking about a payroll tax cut to kind of help fight the tariff drag on the economy that the White House may try to stimulate the economy with another tax cut. Um, But it's getting shot down pretty fast by the White House. But the New York Times and the Washington Post say, no, it's a true story. They were thinking about it. Um, Do we need more stimulus like tax cuts or good idea, bad idea late in the game? What are your thoughts about even hearing it? Yeah, you know, so I actually talked a little bit about it in my page one column this morning, and I I described it as, uh, quote, peculiar uh, to hear uh, such reports, you know, only because um, the the administration's main spokesperson, President Trump, obviously continues to uh, share the message to anyone who wants to hear how, you know, how strong the economy is. And in fact, he said just yesterday in a tweet that the economy is very strong. So to then, you know, hear these Correspondent reports that the administration is looking at ways to uh, kind of uh, uh, offset weaker growth. Uh, it kind of muddles the picture, but um, but I think you know I think really you know, that uh, the market itself you know isn't necessarily um, buying that the message from the president that the economy is very strong. I think it already knew that anyway, and I think we can take for granted really that it's you know it's fair to say that any administration. Democrat, Republican, what have you, is always considering efforts, you know, at how to stimulate growth. And, uh, you know, so I'm not going to you know, castigate, you know, the Trump administration, you know, for you know, for talking about such measures, even at this juncture. But um, but I think, it, you know, it, it resonates, obviously, at a time when you have this flattening yield curve and, and a yield curve that's actually inverted along several portions of it. Uh, and when economic growth concerns are, you know, pressing to the forefront based on an an obvious slowdown that's transpiring abroad and which seems to start to uh, be filtering here into the United States. So it does catch your attention, um, uh, but uh, but it's, it, it should be fairly challenging, I think, uh, given with uh, the, the makeup, the construct of Congress right now, to, you know, force through any really, you know, fiscal stimulus uh, at this juncture. <laughs> I find myself needing a couple more vacation days because the news is just starting to drive me crazy. It seems like Brexit's always in the news. Trump's in the news. Uh, we're buying Greenland. I'm like thinking, maybe I should buy some real estate in Greenland. I'm um, like, my mind can't get off this stuff, and yet it's very repetitive. Um, and because of that, I'm, I'm starting to get a little discouraged. I need more days off to kind of fight that. Are, are you feeling any of that? Because it just it seems this has been a year about low interest rates. It's been a year about slowing China deal, slowing economy worldwide. Um, Federal Reserve, do they do the right thing? Did they send the wrong signal by doing the right thing and lowering interest? It's, it just seems more than usual for me, but maybe I'm just too close to it. Well, you know, I was thinking, you know, for those of us who, who really do follow it all day, every day, like you and I, um, I, I can obviously, you know, uh, commiserate with you in, in thinking that <laughs> we might need a few more vacation days. But I think really the, the, the overarching message, though, for most people is that yeah, it's it probably best to tune these things out, uh, it, it, you know, from a long-term investment standpoint. Uh, they create a lot of okay. volatility. We've seen huge swings in the major indices of late, uh, and yet the market really hasn't gone anywhere a um, couple percent down from its all-time high, but we're basically tracking sideways. So, um, so it might be best to tune out the, the, the headline noise for someone who has that, that long-term-minded orientation. Mm-hmm. 
Let me give you a little insight. I also work in television, and I'm done usually by 9.30 in the morning. But if there's, I get calls now at 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock. Can you come on and explain what a recession is? So it's starting to become a little bit more mainstream. It's starting to bleed into what news media, not financial media, wants to report on. Um, anything in the retail numbers that you saw today with Home Depot, with Kohl's, with TJ Maxx? Anything interesting to you as far as any tales on what direction the consumer is pointing? Um, you, you know, I think that you know that triumvirate really was it was somewhat mixed. Um, you know, okay. um, Home Depot beat estimates, but then cut its you know full year sales outlook, citing you know lumber price deflation. Kohl's beat second quarter expectations, reaffirmed its full year guidance, uh, but the stock's trading down. Um, TJX, you know, met estimates and guided its third quarter below consensus, but but, but reaffirmed its its full year outlook and. You know, in the case of TJX, I mean, it's 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 certainly a company that faces high expectations and, and tough comparisons, and so you can see why maybe the you know investors didn't react so kindly initially anyway to the to its report. Home Depot, on the other hand, has been uh, treated very well. Um, its report seemingly was better than feared, and um, and obviously with the drop in mortgage rates, um, you know, I think that the, the the industry backdrop is still fairly good for Home Depot, and I think the market appreciates that. In an environment like this, you're trading up the quality curve when it comes to stocks and bonds alike. And Home Depot is certainly a quality company, a good balance sheet, uh, solid dividend, and you know, and it's probably one of those stocks that you know you can okay. you can trust uh, through difficult times. Thanks very much. It's briefing.com. You can find them at briefing.com. Forget there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. It's kind of a big pot of soup day on Wall Street. We're dealing with Home Depot and Kohl's. I like Home Depot as an idea, as an investment thought. It's a play on, I think they're better than Lowe's. And Americans own homes, and as we own homes, we want to throw paint on our walls, and we want to go buy a rake to rake up leaves, and we want to go... There's a play there that Amazon doesn't really breach terribly much, but take a look at it. Lower interest rates today, we're seeing uh, tax ideas floated by the Trump administration on payroll tax cuts. It's a soupy kind of day where we're not getting a lot but we're throwing a lot in the pot. We'll be interested to see how it cooks up. Speaking of cooking up, let's bring in CFP Chad Burton. The one, the only CFP Chad Burton. I was listening to your show this morning, Mr. Burton. Just you're just warning you. <laughs> okay, Burton. gotcha. Did, did you, were you able to stay awake while you are driving in? Um, I was fine. I was fine. So you're pretty <laughs> damn entertaining when talking about yield curves and inversions. Um, everyone seems to want to talk about yield um, inversions and yield curves and like I was, I was telling briefing.com Patrick O'Hare the news station that I work with they want to talk non-stop recession now I'm like well we have jobs we, we, we'll get there when we see unemployment rise but let's talk yield curves and inversions what are you what are you seeing in them right now because everyone's fascinated on this well, yeah, and with the with the media, the way it's distributed these days, it's almost like a self fulfilling prophecy. The more and more people see the headlines, and then the, if you search for it, and then between AI and algorithms, everything else, you're going to start being fed what you're going to react to. That's how social media works. So what what makes you react is what you're going to get fed in terms of your searches, and it 
feels like sometimes it can be a self-fulfilling prophecy, but it doesn't really matter because recessions happen every seven to ten years anyway. And people are hearing about this yield curve inversion. It was like for a while last Wednesday on the 14th. Right now, it's not even inverted. Um, And typically, when we have these inversions, it's because the economy is heated up so much that the Federal Reserve wants to slow things down because of inflation, so they start raising short-term interest rates. That's not what is happening now. They're now going on an easing cycle, so it's kind of inverted because people are like, oh, the Fed's you know, stuck in a corner here. They have to lower rates because of the trade war. So people kind of did this pile into these bonds um, on the 10-year side, and then, you know, here we are. The Fed's probably got to cut rates now, right? So it's a little different uh, form of inversion. And inverted yield curve, all it means is that if you look at a, a graph and you've got a horizontal axis and a vertical axis, Horizontal is the length of maturity of the U.S., whatever U.S. bond you're looking at, and the vertical axis is the interest rate. And usually that is a slow slope from the bottom left to the top right, kind of like the stock market over time. Um, right now it's flat, and for a minute it inverted on the two-year and 10-year. Um, and and that's, that's what it means. But it's like if you look at it, it's usually at some point, 15 to 22 months later, you have a recession. But if you have a recession anyways every seven to 10 years, and you've had four inversions over the last 40 years, is it a predictor or is it a coincidence? That's what you kind of have to ask yourself. For the record, I'm trying to rehab the word recession instead of it being a dirty word. I want to make it a good word. And I say things like recessions make lines at restaurants shorter. Recessions make, um, you know, jerks out of college making six figures a little fewer and farther between. Recessions make traffic go smoother. They curb excesses. I don't mind recessions. How's this one approach to a recession different than our last one as far as the yield curve and inversion goes? Well, I think it's just really how you process it in terms of are you retiring? Um, And a lot of investors have gotten very aggressive over the last several years. I mean, when I first got into the business 25 years ago, it was typically your 60% bonds, 40% stocks, and now it's just the opposite. And some people have let that stock side run because the market has gone so much higher over the last several years. A lot of people are kind of beyond their risk tolerance. So, you know, if you're within five to ten years from retirement, you might need to think about what you're doing and rebalance and peel some gains off and make sure you're at the proper risk tolerance. But if you're younger, it's the same as any other recession. Recession to me means get your shopping list ready. If you have a pullback in stocks, um, you can consider pre-funding your Roth IRAs, increasing your 401k contributions. Um, if your taxes are low, it's a great time if you have a pullback in stocks to do a Roth IRA conversion where you pay taxes now on your IRA, put it into a tax-free account for the rest of your life. And if you look at market returns, even if you just look at U.S. market returns, Rob, 66% of the time, 12 months later, stocks were higher. And only 33% of the time, stocks were higher 36 months later. But if you are a global investor, it's totally different. Because if you're a global investor, 86% of the time after that 12-month mark of an of a inverted yield curve, yeah. stocks are positive. And 71% of the time, stocks are positive 36 months later as a global investor. So you kind of have to separate sometimes what's going on in economy and politics from what companies can do to adjust their supply chain, cut costs, um, you know, reinvent themselves in order to continue to make more money. This is capitalism. It's not directly tied to our government. 
So I think you just kind of answered our third question about, you know, what sort of returns are you looking for after an inversion? Or do you have anything else to say on it? We've got about a minute. Um, no, again, it's just 10 out of 14 cases of inversion. Local okay. investors would have had positive returns investing in their home market after 36 months. So not, it's, you know, again, continue to invest and maintain your, your proper risk tolerance. So it's a good time to get a financial plan if you're really starting to feel scared, nervous, panic. Anything coming up on your plate these days? Anything you want to promote? Anything uh, you want to push? Yeah, tomorrow, I'm going to talk a little bit about value investing. I mean, value investing is still continued to lag even during this inversion. So okay. growth investing has had the longest run versus value. And so we're going to look into that today and talk a little bit about it on tomorrow's show. You're a good man. It's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. There's a brand new website there. Go kick the tires. Get some of the resources there. There's some really good downloads and some really good blogs about hardcore financial planning content. It's all free to you at newfocusfinancial.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.